0: Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management on WTMJ. All right, here we go. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management for Saturday, April 14th. Happy 414 Day, guys. Yes, it is. Yeah. Milwaukee Day. Yeah, I think they've done a nice job promoting that and kind of making that a thing. That That's good. Um Boy, the week that was—just when you think it's going to be, you know—I guess I was thinking when you heard that earnings reports were going to come in and everything was going to be great, and then it, things wasn't great. weren't right? great. So well, I, you got to explain that. I, I don't get it. How can you have? Uh, a great earnings report and then you then stocks get clipped especially in the financials
1: yeah the financials because I I think people priced it in and we'll talk a little bit later with Derek Felsky and uh, you know people the expectations are so high for this earnings season we've talked about it now for you know several months in a row that the expectations not only for for this quarter but the following quarter are really really high because uh, of uh, improving fundamentals of the companies I mean more sales more earnings uh, the tax cuts all of that has gone in and you know a lot of people are saying that this has been priced in uh, we'll see i mean obviously what happened last night Uh, with Syria and the bombing and you know the crossing of the red line you know they have said that before and and I went back and I actually googled it last night and they said yeah the Syrians would never do it again well they've done it now twice in the last 12 months and so you look at that and say you know obviously investing is an uncertain proposition uh, but you have to look in long term and and, in Monday morning might be a a rough start there's, there's definitely a possibility that happens Mark, and you look across the rest of the stuff that's happening out there. You know, obviously, uh, the act. You know, Russia's called this an act of aggression. Do they respond? I mean, they had some of their aircraft, and they were warned. You know, to move some of their aircraft out of the way, so none of that gets gets hit. Retaliation is a possibility, and then you put on top of that. You know all of the the drama with uh, the media uh, and Trump and uh, his issues, and that certainly puts uncertainty into the market. And that's a great question, Danny, because there are, the fundamentals are really lined up to look great. Unemployment is in a good place, and interest rates are in a good place. But it's an uncertain proposition. That's a perfect
2: market. word for it. I mean, the fundamentals, and that's what we talk about on the air every week. Is you know, getting back to the fundamentals of the market, what drives stock markets higher? What what supports bond markets? Is it monetary policy, it fiscal policy, regulatory policy, or trade policy? All those things are in motion right now, and they're having an impact on stock prices and what's happening with other investments around the world. The rest of it, guys. I mean, it used to be we'd get up on Monday morning and look at the stock page, right, and say what happened to the stocks, right? Now it's moment by moment by moment. You're getting these things on Saturday night and Sunday. And they're world news events, and they're worthy of paying attention to. But for investors, not traders, but for investors, it's sticking with the fundamentals over the long term.
1: And, and I think there, you know, we talk about an uncertain proposition. I mean, you have to have a philosophy. You have to have a buy philosophy and a self philosophy, sure. and a lot of investors don't. We ask people who come in, you know, what are your philosophies, and they give us blank stares a lot of time. But they say, "Listen, this is the pot of money that I have, Danny. This is where I want to get. Does the money, the money that pot that I have, is that going to get me where I can retire at some pl- at some point and replace my paycheck? That's really where people want to get to.
2: And for people too. I mean, it's what what would cause you to act differently? I mean, what would have to happen in the market, and that's that risk tolerance conversation that we have if you haven't gone through that you know what would happen what would what would change your actions is the market going down 10 percent is it going down 20 percent is it going down 30 percent and then to take those percentages and turn them into dollars so if you've got a half a million dollars and you go down 10 percent are you willing to sleep with a $50,000 loss, knowing that you've got to gain that back and then some well, just to get back where you were?
1: Can I jump in there? So, you know, and, I, and we have this conversation. So it's really not lost money. Right. It is a reduction in the value that you have right. today. And so if you, make, if you do something and lock in your loss, in other words, you sell when it's down, then you have a loss. But if you work, you work your way through that and say, my long-term perspective is as such, Well, and that's the reason why. I mean, there is a lot of things happening when you look at where the stock market is. We look very closely at uh, things like moving averages. We look at the February low. We bounced off that several times. We'll find out if we test that again this week. If it goes through, that could create another form of action. And on the other side, as Mark pointed out, you have great earnings. You have the possibility that this trade war talk has gone away. You Mm -hmm. saw the Chinese president said we're going to try to work to a resolution. We have this denuclearization of North Korea, great earnings and great interest rates. We'll see where it goes from here. But again, it's an uncertain proposition in the short term, but you have to keep your eye on the long term.
0: And uh, a little later in the show, I believe uh, Mandy will be here. and We're going to be right. talking taxes, okay? Mm-hmm. So what a weekend to be talking taxes. So uh, we she'll be here for a couple of segments, I think. Exactly. That's going to be good. It's all on the way. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management for Saturday, April 14th. Website, AnnexWealth.com. When you go there, you'll see know the difference. It is team. It is tech. It is trust.
1: Joining me now is Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Derek, thanks for joining us. Hi, Dave. So, you know, there's a lot of things that have been going on and most importantly, I think, is that the volatility has returned and it has caused some investor concern and there are measures that people can look at when they talk about volatility.
3: Yeah, there are two measures that we look at. One is the VIX, otherwise known as, as the fear index and that's basically a measure of what option traders believe stock prices can do in the next 30 days. The interesting thing about 2017, as you referred to it, was that the VIX basically was between 9 and 11 for most of the year, when in fact the long-term average is about 20, Mark. So people are now dealing with more normal circumstances, which they're just not used to. Well, I think that's a really excellent point,
2: because all of 2017, you know, and even back into 2016, you saw month after month the S&P 500 going up. And so you get this complacency, you get this recency bias of that's what you think the market's always going to do. And so now we start to see some natural volatility as we start 2018. And, you know, I think from our shop, at least, we
3: expect that we're going to continue to see volatility throughout the rest of 2018. Yeah, I certainly would agree. In fact, um, you know, this is a midterm election year. And historically, midterm elections um, sell and may and go away has actually been a fairly effective strategy. Uh, and with volatility at these levels, uh, you know, one could potentially see some real good bargains pop up this summer.
2: Well, no doubt about that. And when you start to think about volatility, you look at it as opportunities, perhaps. And I think that's what we're looking at in our investment committee. And a lot of listeners this morning are probably thinking that way, too. You know, people who are learned
3: investors, people who've experienced up and down markets. They understand that these can be opportunities. Yeah, and I think what happened, you know, on Friday, we kicked off earnings season with the major banks reporting Wells Fargo, City, PNC, and JP Morgan. And while they all beat estimates, the stocks actually closed down 2% on the day, which gives you some sense that there is some positive news baked into stock prices at these levels.
1: And that's a really important point, so I don't want to go past that because we have been really uh, expecting a huge earnings season. And what we've talked about early on is maybe. Maybe you know, when you say baked in, that the expectations are already in there, and maybe the stocks don't move as much as their earnings growth does.
3: Right. And I think, you know, as an investor, you know, buying stocks ahead of earnings is, is usually a fairly risky proposition because, for example, Netflix is going to report on Monday. I don't think anyone, and you'd have to be hiding under a rock not to know that they're doing well. The question is, at what valuation do you want to pay right in front of an earnings report, which could lead to profit taking? So if you think about it, you know, you've got a
2: company that's making three dollars a share or or that's their estimate and then they come out and everybody goes well it's gonna be twenty percent higher than that so you know you think it's gonna be Twenty percent higher than three dollars, and it is. And then right. you got exactly what you expected for.
1: Yeah, buy the rumor and sell the news is the old axiom. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going on with this earnings season, and, and I alluded to the fact that we have high expectations. What are the numbers for uh, for growth of earnings in this quarter?
3: Right now, the estimates are for eighteen percent growth in earnings this quarter, and almost nineteen percent earnings next quarter. Uh, so these are very strong uh, year over year earnings increase. Of course, part of that is due to the, the, the uh, result of lower taxes, but it's also due to some upward, upward movement in revenue guidance as well. But again, you know, the stocks don't tend to do as well when earnings are growing at a really fast rate. The odd thing about stocks are they tend to do better when earnings are negative and gradually improving. So Derek, you hit on something there
2: that's important because a lot of times we report on top line beats and bottom line beats and top line is revenue. And bottom line is, what did you do with that revenue? What were your expenses? How much money did you make out of that? What's really interesting is, you know, you mentioned the tax effect. If you're paying less taxes, you expect to be more profitable. But the fact is, is that for a lot of companies, they're getting top line revenue beats and earnings beats.
3: Right. I mean, one of the linchpins of of our bullish scenario, at least up to this point, has been that global growth is strong and accelerating. And and that's basically the case. The OECD is looking for positive growth around the world both this year and next. And that obviously supportive for corporate earnings on the S&P 500, where roughly 60% of sales are sourced overseas. It would be interesting too to see
2: guys what happens now with these companies that are making more money. And certainly Dave, you know it's something we can talk about in the next segment after the break is what can investors expect now that earnings beats are starting to come in. If we continue to see the blowout quarter that we think we're going to see, what does that mean for the rest of the year and as we move into 2019?
0: It is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, April 14th. Again, AnnexWealth.com is the website. Do yourself a favor. Sign up for Axiom, which is a weekly newsletter. You don't have to be a client. Absolutely free. Great information comes up on Sunday. comes out on Sundays. Again, that's at AnnexWealth.com.
1: Continuing to join us is Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. And before we went to the break, as Mark set that up, we talked a lot about earnings expectations and the fact that sometimes stock prices aren't tied exactly to the earnings, right. uh, which, which is unusual, really. Uh, but in the long term, I think what, we wanted, what I want to at least allude to, Derek, is the fact that higher earnings put valuations in a better light.
3: Right. At the beginning of the year, I think the analysts were r- looking for roughly 11% growth uh, this quarter on S&P earnings. And that number, as I mentioned earlier, is going to come in somewhere between 18 and 20%. And at the same time, you know, we had a, a, a basically a 10% correction from high to low. So if you think about it, the S&P is now much cheaper than it was at the beginning of the year.
1: And what is, what is the current P.E.?
3: It's about 16 times forward earnings.
1: And so what is the long-term average?
3: The long-term average is roughly 14.5. But remember, that's with much higher interest rates over most of those cycles. And those P.E.s are different depending on what sector we're talking about as well. I mean, you
2: talk about utilities has a different P.E. than technology. So the technology sectors had a different piece. So that to the extent that the growth has been in the earnings of technology companies, there might be more room to go there.
1: So, the, so what we're saying is the combination of higher earnings and the valuations that uh, have come down with, with the correction made the whole S&P or the Dow Jones, whatever you want to use as your index, be uh, look more valuable at this point, and I think that is a good takeaway for for listeners. Okay, moving on. What we want to talk about is seasonality. I know we look outside right now, and it doesn't look like we're, we're spring is anywhere to be found. But when we are in this point of the calendar year, April has been a pretty good. Uh, month for the stock market
3: yeah that's right Dave April historically is I think the second best month of the year and then of course you know as we go into May there are lots of folks who like to talk about selling May and go away because historically those the next six months are actually a weaker period for stocks than than the six months from November until April how does that work out though for investors when I think about the last couple three
2: years that we've talked about selling May and go away on this show and there's people that are out there that say the volumes come down and that's a fact because a lot of the traders go away for the summer, and you know you can have more volatility in the summertime sometimes. But selling may and go away hasn't really worked out, because may, you know, the markets have done pretty well. We talked about 2017, and month over month over month, the S&P 500 going up every month. The, the downside of it, or the difficulty, I think, for investors who subscribe to the sell and may and go away is you can miss some up you can miss some up months while while volatility
3: is taking shape in the summer months. No, you certainly can. Um, I did see one of our research partners did a very interesting study about what what happens seasonally when, in a midterm election year, and obviously this midterm election is going to be potentially a change election where the the Congress apparently is up for grabs. And in my view, I would think that the le- that level of uncertainty will take some time to dissipate. Uh, so, I'm, you know, I'm expecting that, you know, we'll have some rebalancing opportunities at some point between now and the fall. We'll have an opportunity to make some tactical choices and tactical changes in the portfolios. Because ultimately what happens is after the midterm election, after people know the result, the market has historically done very well. The other part of it, of
2: course, is that we're just starting to see the effect on corporations and individual taxpayers of the tax cuts that, that came in at the end of 2017. I mean, people started to see their paycheck in February going up a little bit, perhaps, and corporations are still repatriating dollars and money's coming back and all those kinds of things. That could be supportive of the stock market for the next few months as well.
3: Well, I think it is. In fact, I, I noticed today, I was looking at the 52-week new high list, and, you know, it, as much as Amazon gets lost to publicity and, and is being attacked in Washington from any number of sources, I noticed that Abercrombie and Fitch and American Eagle Outfitters are all making new 52 weeks high, which suggests that the consumer is in decent shape.
1: So there are some tailwinds. Tax cuts are part of that. But there are other tailwinds as well that I think that we can uh, have, it, have a conversation about.
3: Well, sure. We've got, you know, they're, they're easing regulations in the banking sector. We've talked often about how the major banks, the, the Dodd-Frank regulations, really handicapped uh, loan growth, and there are changes coming there. Um, there's a relaxation of, of regulations in the energy sector. Uh, we're talking about you know increasing infrastructure spending. Obviously, we had a big, a big budget deal that came up last week or a couple of weeks ago, and that really def- affected the defense industry and so on. So there's lots of you know fiscal policy levers that are being pushed that are somewhat inflationary.
2: When you look at the other piece of this, what we haven't touched on is trade. So you look at all of the, the levers that are out there that affect inflation, and trade is certainly one of them. Saw a little bit of movement this week in some of the conversations about tariffs and trade wars and stuff like that
3: and, and so you know some of that's been a move in a positive direction yeah and it's headline risk i mean i, I can't I mean every week this every day this week the market was either up or down a 100, 100 200 points in terms of the dow which isn't a huge percentage move But it certainly is is not what we would grown accustomed to uh, last year. And what's often difficult is when you read these headlines, you don't really know whether – because these are all proposals. These aren't even legislated uh, bills or or not even appearing in front of congressional committees. And, of course, you have the Facebook chairman speaking before the House and talking about privacy issues. So it's been a very challenging time. For investors and it really just bodes well if you have a plan of strategy and price targets that you're willing to act at.
1: You've been listening to Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Derek, thanks for joining us. My we- pleasure.
0: It is Money Talk for Saturday, April 14th. Know the difference. You'll see that when you go to AnnexWealth.com. They're number 262-786-6363.
1: Joining me now is Mandy Nowishinsky, tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. And Mandy, I often give everyone your background when you come on the air with us, but I'm going to let you do that today.
4: Well, why? Thank you. So, I am a CPA, CFP, and I also have my master's. Um, but right now, I'm just you know wrapping up tax season, so right. it's a very exciting time for us. CPAs. You're happy, yeah. You're
1: happy. You were uh, you were stuck in your office for a long time, getting a lot of tax returns done for our clients, and it kind of brings us to some tax planning ideas that we get to you know. And the reason why we kind of wait to do that at this point is because tax season is over, and obviously there was some complications that we saw this year because of the change. I mean, it was in certain circumstances, you saw some changes.
4: Yeah, and it's a lot of when you're filing your tax return, you're not only looking to kind of complete one year, but look forward at the same time. Do you need to make any changes at that point in time when you're filing? You've got your accountant on hand. You've got a financial planner nearby. You kind of go, what can we do now, now that we know what 2017 is? And with the big changes coming for 18.
1: Right. And so that's really a good point. So a lot of times, you know, obviously TurboTax is not going to come back at you and say, this is what you should plan for. But there are ideas when when you do this, there are ideas that you should look for as a tax planner. And those who hire us should do the same thing.
4: Exactly. And, you know, we look at, you know, just withholding with tax rates changing. That's, you know, a big topic. Am I withholding enough? Am I not? You know, the IRS changed their withholding tables. And now you've got this new W-4 for workers that, you know, do I need to fill it out? Do I not need to fill it out? You know, those are just questions that you can talk over with your accountant.
1: And what is the W-4 and should people be concerned about it?
4: So a W-4 is for working individuals who have a wage. It's to let their employer know and their payroll company how much in federal withholding should they have and state withholding. And a lot of people should review it because with the change in tax law came with the changes in allowances and how all of that is kind of calculated behind the scenes with payroll.
1: Excellent. So, you know, there's some things that I do want to talk about with you today. And, you know, as you go through it, not only doing the tax returns, but as the financial planning team goes through our clients' portfolios and those who are listening there is an opportunity to say maybe you know, some stocks have gone up, some substantially over the last number of years. We're in year number nine of a bull market. You know, one of the things that we see are low-cost basis stocks, and there's some planning ideas that revolve around that.
4: Right. So as you know, with the changes in tax law, they had toyed with not letting us specifically identify lots, but that came back and said, no, you can still kind of specifically identify lots. And for... to
1: Explain to our listeners what that means.
4: Yeah, so that's kind of when you're looking at an asset that you have that may have some low-cost basis you may have bought different shares at different times
1: right right so so for example you had hundred shares of Apple at eighty dollars and you bought another hundred shares of Apple at one hundred and twenty dollars mm-hmm. you can pick what shares or what lots to sell and that's going to affect the taxation
4: exactly and the, you know when the tax reform finally passed they said yes you can still pick which lot you want so when we're looking at these low cost basis assets you know you may want to give some to charity you know changes in the tax code and the standard deduction you may be looking at ways to Bunch your deductions are you know kind of double up in a year and right. choosing which low basis assets you want to gift.
1: And personally, I did that, man. Yeah, there's we made a commitment to uh, an education facility, and we were you know, a commitment to give some money. And so I went through and saw, boy, I found a particular stock that was up hundred percent. And I said, why don't I give those shares? And in that example, let's just use a thousand dollars as mm-hmm. an example. You paid five hundred dollars; it's worth a thousand dollars what is the What is the actual gift if you 've only paid five hundred dollars in that example so
4: that you get a charitable deduction for a thousand dollars the fair market value of the stock on the day you donated it to the charity
1: and if I would have sold that stock and gave the thousand dollars i 'd have to pay the capital gains tax. On the thousand dollars, and now my thousand dollars is now worth only, you know, say eight hundred and fifty dollars or whatever. So now you get the full thousand dollars. You don't have to pay the capital gains tax if you give the shares to the charity, a qualified charity. A
4: a qualified charity, yes. You You know, and a lot of people look at funding a donor advised fund in a year, and that's just another vehicle to kind of give to charity and maintain control. But you know, with a low basis asset, like. Apple or you know Google or something you may have held for a long time, charitable giving is a kind of a good option to look at for those assets.
1: And real quickly to follow up on that, you know, I used fifteen percent as my capital gains example, but there are different levels of capital gains taxation.
4: There is, and for you know a married couple with income below around seventy-seven thousand, if you have a capital gain. Event in those lower brackets, the gain is actually 0% for federal. So.
1: 0% tax bracket.
4: Exactly.
1: Right. They should all be that way, you know?
4: <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, not only for capital gains, but for qualified dividends. Some people, you know, may forget that qualified dividends are actually at that 0% bracket as well as long term capital gains.
1: We're talking to Mandy Nowashinsky, CPA and tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. And Mandy, if you can stick around, there's a couple of other questions that I want to ask you.
0: It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, April 14th. Uh, If you're looking where you can find your nearest Annex Wealth Management uh, branch, their headquarters in Elm Grove. They are also in Mequon, uh, Lake Country Branch, the Appleton Branch office, and coming soon to downtown. Again, AnnexWealth.com.
1: We're continuing our conversation with Mandy Nowashinsky, CPA and tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. And Mandy, before we went to the break, we were talking about different levels of capital gains taxation. And it really uh, reminded me of the fact that there is a difference in dividend taxation and and capital gains taxation between stocks and bonds, and I'm not sure everyone gets that. Can we talk about that for just a second?
4: Sure. So if you own a bond or a bond fund, if they pay a dividend or uh, issue a coupon or an interest, that's taxed at ordinary income rates.
1: So let's walk through that example for for just a minute. So you're gonna get a dividend from a bond fund or a bond and you're gonna take that as ordinary income and so it goes on whatever you whatever your tax bracket is Correct. plus the three point eight percent. Some people call it the Obamacare tax or the Medicare tax. You have to add those two together. So let's just assume you're at a thirty five percent income tax bracket plus 3.8, mm-hmm. you're now paying nearly 39% versus capital gains, which are a totally different bracket.
4: They are a totally different bracket. And depending on your income, it'd be either zero. 15, 20, but you still do have to pay that Obamacare tax on any investment income, including bond funds.
1: Right. So now, but I'm trying to compare the difference between dividends from stocks, mm-hmm. for example, and dividends for bonds. If you get a, if you get a dividend from ABC company, you could take that at the capital gains level, which is could be in some circumstances half or maybe even you know less than that in some cases. Correct.
4: Yeah, you're looking at maybe half or you know fifteen, and at some points it's you're looking at a zero percent to maybe a, you know a twelve percent difference.
1: Excellent, excellent. So there's other one, another question that I have for you is, you know, people a lot of times want when we talked about giving money to charities. There is another option other than low-cost basis stocks, and that is, for example, if, you are, if you're required to take a required minimum distribution. Can you explain that?
4: Yes, yeah, so when you hit 70 and, a half and you have an IRA, you have to start taking money out of that IRA and paying tax on it. One option for those who are seventy and a half in that r m d age is to take some of that r d and give it directly to a charity now you 've got to make sure you don 't run afoul of a couple of things, but you are able to direct some of your r m d to a qualifying charity
1: so let 's talk about that for a second. So some people get to a situation they have to take their required minimum distribution and let 's just make up a number say it 's three thousand dollars and they go well i don 't want that three thousand dollars of of income." But, by the way, I have a commitment to my church or whatever. You can go directly to the church, not take it as income.
4: Right. And the key is directly to the church. So the IRA writes a check to the church. So Dave Spano IRA writes a check to the church rather than it going to your bank account and then you writing a check to the church. Very now, important difference. Well,
1: OK. Now, and I like that. And I like that you use me as an example. But didn't you say I had to be 70 and a half? I mean, come on. I mean, it's it's thing. That's that's not advanced. <laughs> make like, you older like, than you are. Right, right. And
4: that is key. So 70 and a half. And it ha- has to be from your IRA. And even if you have an inherited IRA where you have an RMD, you still have to be 70 and a half.
1: All right, now you use Dave Spano's IRA as an example. And let's assume that, for example, I had $200,000 in my IRA. Could I give the full $200,000 to a charity if I wanted to?
4: No, you cannot. So the IRS did put a limit on that of 100000 So you can give more than what your RMD is. So when our example is 3000 you could give up to a hundred thousand, which is more than your RMD, but you cannot give the full value.
1: Excellent, excellent. If I ever if I ever feel so magnanimous, I'll I'll make sure I remember that. Now, one more thing is there's expanded use of five twenty nine accounts. I did have this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday and he was pretty excited about this.
4: Yeah, so you can use five twenty nine accounts now for high school so if you have a private high school tuition bill that you've got to pay you can use 529 up to ten thousand dollars to pay for that education
1: now let's clear that up because my friend had a confusion of how that works he said well i'm going to put my money into a 529 plan because next year little johnny is going to uh is going to go to high school, well that doesn't really do a lot of good, right?
4: No, you don't get that tax free growth. You don't leave it in there long enough for the asset to grow, earn dividends at a tax free and then to pull the money out tax free. So the longer you're able to leave the money in a 529 plan and it could be until the kid is in college, you right. know that gets the best growth out of it.
1: Right. But if he was smart enough to do this when little Johnny was you know five years old, mm-hmm. he can now he doesn't have to wait for the kid to go to college. he can take it out for higher education or I'm sorry for high school education.
4: Correct, yeah, up to that 10,000, which is key because that's different than college. College you can use as long as you have qualified expenses. For this high school, $10,000 is the limit per kid.
1: And will that ever trigger a federal... T- is that a gift tax event if that happens?
4: So if you put a lot of money into a 529 plan at once, that is a gift to your kids. So you do have to be careful of gift tax limits, which for 2018 is 15000 per individual or a married couple can each both give to one kid so you could get thirty dollars out right, of that.
1: Right, right. So, th- so you can give up to $15,000 per year per, per, per parent right? Correct. Or you can group them together over five years, if I recall.
4: You are correct. So you can make an election to give five years worth of gifts into a 529 plan. So now you're you're looking at a lot of money into a 529 plan in one year.
1: Right. Well, always good to have you on the air. We appreciate uh, your experience. And you've been listening to Mandy Nowashinsky, CPA and tax planner for Annex Wealth Management. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you.
0: Thanks, guys. Money Talk, Saturday, April 14th. Website, AnnexWealth.com. When you go there, you'll see a couple of things. You'll be able to sign up for... Axiom, which is the free weekly newsletter, but you also see in real, real big letters, and it is a difference. Know the difference. It is team, it is technology, it is trust. Again, it's annexwealth.com. Final segment for Money Talk for Saturday, April 14th. It is 414 day. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Dave Spano is here and kind of brings us back to where we started, guys, which has been a very interesting week. Last night's events with the, uh, with the missiles uh, with Syria could complicate things, does that mean that oil will go up? I mean w- w- those kinds of th- is all of a sudden that going to be a factor. I saw that my gas prices went up a little bit
1: right yeah. and uncertainty you know, certainly is going to be part of the game. Uh, particularly this week, you know, we, we heard uh, President Trump say mission accomplished uh, earlier today. We've heard that. It sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah, it sounded familiar. I, thought, I think President Bush once said that. But, you know, look at it. And you know, we talk. you know, there's all this conversation about the red line that's been crossed. And what is Russia's retaliation going to be, if anything? And so we think volatility uh, is going to be something we'll have to look at. Uh, we look at a number of matrixes. Uh, And information, and we look, you know, 200-day moving averages and the Feb low, the February lows. But we saw something interesting this week, Mark, which was the 10-year Treasury. Uh, We watch this because we don't want the 10 the what's called the yield curve to invert. In other words, those short-term rates get are higher than the long-term rates, and that has been. Uh, a harbinger for a recession uh, in several occasions. And so the the, the yield curve has flattened out. And yep. In fact, the 10-year had come down this week. At the same time, the Federal Reserve is telling us that they're going to raise rates uh, three times this year. So we have to watch that because uh, that is a sign of concern. And when the 10-year starts to go down, that means that uh, people are buying more of those bonds because they're less uh, they're they're more focused on safety and, and less on yeah, risk. Yeah, right.
2: So you know, their havens, their safe havens, is going to a U.S. Treasury bond. And you look at those ten years. We got up around three percent on the ten year, and the the thought was that if it blows through three percent, you know, what snacks is it three and a quarter or whatever it is. But because of the fact that that yield curve has flattened, that's. You know, that that's something to continue to watch because that is a fundamental. When you look at the markets and we talk about fundamentals, what's happening with U.S. Treasury yields is one of the fundamentals to look at because you're right, when you get that yield curve inversion, in other words, the short-term is paying more than the long-term bonds, that is a sign that you're heading for a recession, maybe 18 months down the road, maybe longer than that. But that's one of the signposts. It's not the signpost, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on.
1: And in the short term, we we're supposed to have a great earnings season. We Our expectations is that is going to happen. 18 to 20% growth in earnings is phenomenal, followed by the same type of information the following quarter. So that sets us up for a really great earnings season. And At the end of the day, that is how you value stocks. How much did you earn? What's the multiple we can put on that particular stock? And that's the value of it. And at the same time, you've got the the trade war starting to subside. We saw Chinese President uh, Xi this week said that uh, we're going to try to find a way to work together. Of course, the North Korean conversation where they talked about denuclearization. Uh, Of course, employment is in in an amazing spot right now. Uh, Can't find enough qualified workers to fill the jobs. Interest rates are low and the GDP is growing. So you have to weigh this stuff out, and that is one of the things that we're going to talk about in a couple of our presentations coming up.
2: Yeah, we do. Uh, We've got Retirement Roadmap coming up, and, again, this is probably our most popular presentation that we do, and we're going to do it in Lake Country, In early May, I believe it's May 9th, go to AnnexWealth.com and hit that Events tab. And then we're up in Appleton in June. It's Retirement Roadmap at Butamore Country Club, and that one does fill up up there as well. So if you're in the Valley and you're interested, go to AnnexWealth.com today and get yourself signed up for that. I know... It sounds like June, given the weather right now. It sounds like June sounds a long ways away, but right. it'll be here before you know it.
1: 34 degrees at the studio, Danny. Look at that. That I is know. just nasty.
2: I know. I know.
0: And our All high right. today
2: is going to be 36. You, you probably aren't the
0: guy's ass, but I do like women, wealth, and wisdom events look like, look like excellent. Yeah, they are.
2: Excellent sources of information. And we've got people. one coming up this week. Is the 18th of this week, so I believe that's Wednesday of this week. And it's legacy, leaving a legacy planning. We have our on state estate planning attorney on staff, uh, Jill Martin, and she does a fantastic job working with our clients. So, her and Deanne are going to get together and talk about leaving a legacy, wills, trusts, all that kind of fun stuff. So if you have an interest in that, estate planning is not just for the ultra rich, right, Dave? I mean, it's for everybody. Of powers of attorney, yeah. trust, Everyone all those needs things. A will, right? Absolutely. Uh, so,
1: and finally, uh, before we uh, got about thirty seconds left, we're moving forward on our Fister location. I want to give everybody an up- update on well, that.
2: It's four one four days. So we got to talk about Milwaukee. There you go. And we're we're downtown Milwaukee. We're in the Fister. Dave and I were down there on Thursday and. You know, the walls are going up, and they were pulling data and, and uh, technology in there. It's going to be a fantastic facility. We're already seeing clients down there in uh, the Fister, and a lot of interest in what we're doing. A lot of people moving downtown, living downtown. We're going to be downtown. It's going to be a fantastic location. We'd invite you to come in and see what we're doing going to make it even easier to uh, to do business with annex wealth very nice well All we'll right. take the mountain to you
0: that's right that's right dave thank you very much mark oswald have a good week guys and we will see you in a week money talk annex wealth management wtmj advice and opinions expressed during money talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of annex wealth management and not wtmj radio or scripps media incorporated